We are dwelling in days of decline, departure, and darkness. 500 years ago, God used the 95 propositions of Martin Luther to spark a moral and spiritual reformation. Here are our own. May they be used to the same end. Explanation and justification for each thesis can be obtained by request from the email listed at the end of these 95 propositions. The Church Thesis 1 The Church, which is supposed to be the glorious body of Christ, is ugly, damaged, and deformed. See the following diagram. If you look at it, the initial reaction is, that's not right. We use the beautiful body of Christ as a title to evoke your thoughts. If we start at the top, we can see that there's one mind full of many, many man-made traditions and doctrines. One eye is blind. One eye is unfocused on Jesus and the truth. There's some recognition of him, but not a full recognition of him in the truth. There are lots of eyes to know everything under the sun, bombarded with massive amounts of information daily. We seek truth, quote-unquote truth, from many, many sources that are not truth. Our message has been muffled, muted, and canceled by hypocrisy. And so you see the lips are sewn shut. And if we listen to the lost, that's what they're telling us. There's only one ear. We're hearing Christ in some things, and we're deaf to other things that he's telling us. There's two large hearts. One is a love of the world. We're consumed with our consumerism, with our lives here on planet Earth. There's a love of money, which is very large. If you go into any church gathering, money is talked about quite frequently. And then you see the third heart. It's very small, even deformed. It's the love for the Lord. It's so small, we can hardly see it these days. If we look at this creature, it's only, it only has one arm. There's good deeds, but we wish there were more. Two arms and two hands would help. And then we see the legs. It's the legs of a, a healthy, strong, athletic man. Deformed or beautiful, the church has been really good at spreading itself everywhere with two strong legs. We've imported and exported our false ideas of Christianity and the church around the world. Thesis 2. In this church, Christ is a figurehead, but not the actual and exclusive life-giving and guiding head of his body, the true church. Thesis 3. Instead, we see men, opinions, traditions, and corrupt desires ruling in the church today. Thesis 4. Nearly all the arrangements, practices, and procedures of Sunday church gatherings are unbiblical. Thesis 5. Our Christianity is a learned social behavior that has not resulted from conviction of truth derived from a commitment to the written Word of God. Thesis 6. Paid pastors and professional clergy practicing unbiblical patterns are unjustifiably tolerated and defended by the majority within the church. Thesis 7. The true church belongs to Christ. He purchased it with his own blood, and it should never be identified with a man or ministry. Thesis 8. Each true disciple has a spiritual gift and is to actively participate for the benefit of others in the body of Christ and to be a blessing in the world. Thesis 9. When true disciples assemble, each should be asking God, How can I be a blessing to someone? Thesis 10. A passive, consumer congregation is atrophied, sickly, dying, and disobedient. Thesis 11 is a diagram of the modern church model. If we look at it, you can instantly recognize it 
as what we see around the world today. There are pews all in a row, we're all facing the back of someone's head, and we look forward to the man of God who will do 95% of everything that's done on a Sunday morning. We pay him to do what God has called us to do. Thesis 12, we see the Bible model. In this model, Christ is central and on the throne, represented by the throne in the center. Out from him, the Holy Spirit is going to each B or L. The B stands for the believer. The L stands for the leader. All of these are equal before God. All of these are as close to the throne as one another. There is no hierarchy here. The only high one exalted is Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit is ministering to the leader. The Holy Spirit is ministering to the believer. The Holy Spirit is ministering between the leader and the believer and the believer and the leader. God is working in and throughout the entire process of gathering together as saints. And so this is the model that we propose, that there is no one single leader doing all things while the believers sit passively by. We all are to participate. Thesis 13. The solution to the departure of the church is to return to the simplicity of devotion to Christ by practicing his own pattern expressed by the New Testament one another commands. Thesis 14. The gathering of true disciples ought to be a place to obey the three dozen plus one another commands in the New Testament which pre-programmed meetings neither practice nor allow. Thesis 15. New Testament meetings are full of fellowship personal interactions with all contributing as the Spirit leads. Questions, open discussion, should be facilitated, encouraged, not quenched. Thesis 16. All disciples are urged to pray in the assembly, encourage one another, and offer songs to sing. Thesis 17. All male disciples are urged to offer a teaching from the Word of God. Thesis 18. The entire assembly is responsible to fill the time together with teaching, song, encouragement, prayer, testimony, sharing, partaking of the Lord's Supper, and fellowship. Thesis 19. Jesus Christ alone should be the focus, not a pulpit, altar, communion table, religious professional, or musical worship team, bulletins, and prearranged programs. Thesis 20. Formal church membership with rosters, rules, and responsibilities is not found in the New Testament. Thesis 21. The body of Christ, the true church, is one living, organic, and spiritual reality, not a business corporation or following that pattern. House to House. Thesis 22. As guided by the Holy Spirit, the early church met most frequently in private homes, but never in church buildings devoted to religious purposes. Thesis 23. Meeting and at home provided opportunity to obey the one another commands of the scriptures, which is not afforded in pre-programmed church settings. Thesis 24. The church that Jesus is building is not a physical structure where people gather to engage in religious activities determined by paid professionals. Thesis 25. God does not dwell in temples made by human hands. True disciples in Jesus Christ themselves are the church his called-out assembly, and spiritual temple. Thesis 26. It is the God-given responsibility for men to teach their families at home and in the true church. Thesis 27. Godly leadership is most often forged slowly in the home, 
so that one can be a leader in the true church. Thesis 28. A father's ability to teach the Word of God effectively to a spectrum of age groups is most often developed by teaching for decades within one's own home. Thesis 29. The time may come when institutional Christianity will be abolished and homes will become our sanctuaries. Denominations. Thesis 30. All who truly love the Lord Jesus are one body, family, flock, and spiritual house despite denominational affiliations. Thesis 31. The evil of denominationalism results in schisms, sects, and strife. It is condemned by the New Testament and corrupts the love of Christ's disciples for one another. Leadership. Thesis 32. Jesus and the apostles did not lord it over subordinates. They modeled and taught non-hierarchical leadership apart from lofty man-made leadership titles. Thesis 33. True leadership in Christ's church consists of a sterling, humble example of service to others, coupled with the persuasive power of truth spoken in love. Thesis 34. A biblical New Testament pastor simply does the work of a shepherd, leading the believers to feed upon the Word of God and protecting them from the message of false teachers. Thesis 35. If true disciples love and serve one another in their gatherings, then shepherds' leaders will not even stand out as having a place of prominence. Thesis 36. Leaders, elders, shepherds, and the family of God become visible when sheep are lost on cliffs, when wisdom, guidance, and consolation are needed, or when wolves threaten the assembly. Thesis 37. Pastors who are paid to be managing directors in a church and who predominate in the gathering are not to be found in the New Testament. Thesis 38. Bishop, or overseer, simply describe the function of an elder, a mature spiritual man who oversees, watches over the spiritual well-being of disciples, but are not roles or titles of authority. Thesis 39. Multiple shepherds, elders, overseers, and any local gathering of true disciples are the biblical pattern, but a group of elders, shepherds, acting as managing directors is not found in the New Testament. Thesis 40. Working out of vocation is compatible with being a gospel worker and should be done as needed to support one's family and provide an example to believers. Thesis 41. All requirements for being recognized as an elder are character qualities, not administrative ones. Truth. Thesis 42. Average churchgoers neglect searching and knowing the truth of the Word of God for themselves and thus remain ignorant both of God Himself and the principles of godly living as well. Thesis 43. Average Christians run to their pastor as their authority and believe what he says without seeking the Lord and the Holy Spirit's guidance. Thesis 44. Only in knowing the truth of the Scriptures will one be set free from bondage to inner corruption and defiling practices hence the deplorable state of the church. Thesis 45. If followers of Christ would search out, believe, and practice what is pleasing to the Lord for His true church in the New Testament, unbiblical patterns will be abandoned and the truth thus known will set free. Thesis 46. The textbook for our spiritual schooling and development is the written Word of God. Thesis 47. There is a spiritual famine in the land and the church is being destroyed for lack of true biblical teaching and understanding. Thesis 48. When we ignore, compromise, or modify the Bible of Jesus, we no longer have the Jesus of the Bible.
Thesis 49. The professing church will be destroyed for lack of and rejecting the true knowledge of God in Christ as found in his written word. Psychology. Thesis 50. The chaff of psychology is being substituted for the true spiritual substance of the written word of God in churches, Bible schools, and seminaries. Thesis 51. The false perspectives of humanistic psychology guide professing Christians in their lives, marriages, and in raising children more than the Bible itself. Thesis 52. Christ and his written word, the Bible, address sufficiently all that is necessary for life and godliness and the moral departures from that. Discipleship. Thesis 53. The concept of seminary or of formal religious institutional training are nowhere found in the New Testament. Thesis 54. The pattern of Christ and the apostles was for mature believers to disciple faithful men in the very down-to-earth matters of raising their families, working, godly living, and in teaching and preaching. Thesis 55. Discipleship is an apprenticeship process of teaching faithful, true disciples to obey what Christ has commanded and to impart that to others. Faith. Thesis 56. Faith is dependence upon God through His written word, not positively confessed decrees, hopeful aspirations, or mystical personal encounters. Holiness. Thesis 57. Christians have opted for peace and security in this life rather than eternal life. Thesis 58. Love of money, which is the root of all evil, is deeply embedded in the heart of the church. Thesis 59. Christ hates sexual immorality and pornography, yet it is regularly found in churchgoers. Thesis 60. Without inward and outward personal purity, no one will see the Lord. Worship. Thesis 61. Presenting oneself unreservedly to God, body, soul, mind, and spirit, is the supreme act of worship, apart from which all other acts of worship are empty, hypocritical charades. Thesis 62. Honoring God with the lips while the heart is far from Him renders worship a useless stench. Thesis 63. Not even the grandest steeples of Notre Dame nor any other human contrivances can bring the soul closer to God. Thesis 64. God will not despise any who tremble at his word and draw near to him with a broken and contrite spirit. Thesis 65. True worshippers worship in spirit and truth, which is not dependent upon imagined holy places, structures, traditions, ceremonies, or celebrities. Thesis 66. Worship is presenting one's life, thoughts, actions, speech, unreservedly to God by godly living, providing for and raising one's family, loving the brethren, given to gospel workers and those in true need, and speaking to people about salvation in Jesus Christ. Thesis 67. It is wrong and delusional to believe that worship is at its apex of expression when the church is gathered happily chanting choruses and being soothed by inspirational words. Thesis 68. We are always in the presence of God. To say we have come into his presence is false. Thesis 69. All true disciples have direct access to God through Jesus Christ without partiality and apart from human mediators. Thesis 70. There is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. All other forms of mediation are treacherous and false, whether men, means, or mysticism. Lord's Supper. 
Thesis 71, Man-Made Elitism, Tradition, Hierarchy, and Priestly Mediation Shrouds the Lord's Supper in Darkness and Superstition. Thesis 72, The Lord's Supper is not an imagined transformation of the bread and cup into the literal body and blood of Christ. Thesis 73, Partaking of the Lord's Supper does not save anyone from their sins. Thesis 74, The Lord's Supper was begun by Jesus, commanded by Paul, and devotedly practiced by the Church. Thesis 75, The Lord's Supper is for true disciples to proclaim the Lord's death, remembering the person of the Lord Jesus, His redemptive work, and express their unity with Christ and all His true people. Thesis 76, Divisions, animosity, and strife between Christians is a denial of what the Lord's Supper portrays. Thesis 77. The Lord's Supper requires humility, oneness, and equality, lest God judge those who partake unworthily. Songs. Thesis 78. Repetitive, superficial songs lacking solid biblical content fuel emotional reactions via propaganda and sensual impressions rather than true commitments of faith and love. Thesis 79. Hymns and spiritual songs should be evaluated based on their truth, lyrical quality, and edifying effect before being introduced to the gathering of true disciples. Thesis 80. God also directs us in the New Testament to sing the Psalms and other portions of Scripture as unto the Lord, and not for men or as entertainment. Giving. Thesis 81. The purpose for godly giving is to assist the poor and true gospel workers, not to support institutions, facilities, and denominations. Thesis 82. Negotiating and paying a salary to pastors is not found in the New Testament. Thesis 83. Giving to the church 10% of all your income as an obligation is not a biblical concept. Thesis 84. Tithing is an Old Covenant law that provided food for the Levitical priesthood and is not a New Testament principle or obligation for true disciples. Thesis 85. Let each one give as he has purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Thesis 86. Openly asking for money and then immediately inserting a receptacle for those funds into each person's hand is what the deformed church of Thesis 1 does. It is grotesquely unlike Christ. Testimony. Thesis 87. With twelve original disciples, the early church stormed and conquered the gates of hell. With approximately one billion Christians, the church is virtually powerless and too often in full retreat. Thesis 88. The name of God is evil spoken of because of the compromised, self-centered, and corrupt lives of churchgoers. This is a major excuse for the world to reject true Christianity. Thesis 89. Love for one another is the sure evidence of being true disciples, not marketing, entertainment, church attendance, nor even doctrinal exactness. Thesis 90. Unless you repent, you will all perish. The Lord Jesus will remove your lampstand, make war with you, cast you into great tribulation, come upon you like a thief, and vomit you out of his mouth. Thesis 91. It is time for judgment to begin with the household of God. Woes. Thesis 92. Woe to you ministers who flippantly dismiss the admonitions enumerated here and reject these theses due to your pride, ignorance, traditions, and denominational distinctives. Thesis 93. 
Woe to leaders in the church who value their paycheck, role, security, and honor from men more than they value the truth. Thesis 94. Woe to Christians who look into the mirror here, see an ugly bride, and do nothing to beautify themselves for Christ, their husband. Thesis 95. Christ Jesus will present to himself a bride that is radiant, holy, and blameless, and without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish. Where are you in this process, or are you against him? Martin Luther, 1517 A.D. Christians should be exhorted to be diligent in following Christ, their head, through penalties, death, and hell. Thesis 94. Amen. These are our 95 theses. We invite and encourage each of you to further examine the justification for each thesis by receiving a free copy of 95 Theses Explained from the authors at 95theseSnow at yahoo.com. To reach us by email on 95theseSnow at yahoo.com, those are spelled out with letters only. There are no numerals appearing in that email. 